Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. We're back with your favorite podcast, Lucas, Tigers, and Bronze. Oh, my. All right, Luca Nation. So this is a little bit of a special edition segment. Cage, are you okay if we jump into it? Sure. I don't know what you're planning, but I never do. And we, uh, we seem to do all right, so go for it. Well, here's the thing. So we had Gary on yesterday. That uh-huh. episode is releasing today. Okay. But at the same time, we knew Gary had a hard stop. So we wanted to summarize a lot of the questions that Luca Nation shared with us, which, by the way, thank you so much for taking the time to write that up, to comment, to send us DMs. Um, but Gary couldn't cover all the questions, so I wanted to do a special rapid-fire edition with the king himself, King uh, Cage. Let me know when the king's getting here. <laughs> First question from Rips Cards. How should investors, how should new investors react to the dips in the market? Well, that's one that Gary actually addressed, right? And basically, you know, he, he, you know, if you listen to it, if not, you know, please listen to it. It's towards the end. We asked him that specific question and, and, you know, he was, he was spot on, right? I mean, you know, you have to be careful what you consume in the, in the marketplace here, charts and whatnot. Everybody kind of has their own agenda. Um, you know, everybody can kind of say, you know, if, if they want to show you a picture of the market imploding and a bubble bursting, they show you a picture from August 3rd until last week or two weeks ago. And that, that, you know, that eight week period is going to show a market that has gone down. But if you pan out to double the length of that and you show a two month or a three month or even go back to April, you know, that chart, it's going to be an upward chart with a slight pullback. And now I've even started to see prices start to move back up. So what I would tell people is, um, you know, I'd mirror what Gary said, which is, you know, for the long haul, this is not something that's going away anytime soon. You're going to take losses. That's a direct quote from him, right? Not everybody you invest in is going to be a win. Not every card you invest in is going to be invested in at exactly the right time. But if you stay the course and, you know, you, you educate yourself, that is the key to this, right? You do as much of the due diligence as you can. And, you know, you invest in somebody who you've watched, who you uh, know about, um, who you believe in, and more often you're going to get a win and not a loss. So that's, you know, I'm kind of, you know, mirroring what, what the message that he had was, but it really is true. I mean, over the long haul, um, you know, the cards kind of work out. I also would like to add my own little don't get weak hands in there. I did a, um, it'll probably be posted tomorrow. I did a, a, a video today with Slav Stocks. If you don't follow his stuff, go ahead and take a look out there. We were talking about Griffey and Jeter. And I had not done research on a specific uh, Jeter card that I particularly loved about a year and a half to two years ago. And I bought 18 of them. Uh, the 1993 Topps Gold Derek Jeter card in PSA 10. And I started buying them at $600 and bought every one that I could up to about $1,000 until I amassed 18 of them. Um, and I watched the card basically stay flat at $1,000 after I stopped buying them for the better part of a year up until the end of, of last year, up until 2019. Um, and I wound up selling them um, to Gary, actually. It's pretty funny, right? Um, you know, for less than $900 a card. When I did my research today, lo and behold, was I to find out that those cards or the last couple sold for $3,600 each, uh, about four times what I paid for them less than two years ago. But I did not get that profit because I sold out too soon. So, you know, don't get yourself bogged down in the ups and the downs. You'll see if you just track the, the momentum of that card. It went up, it went down, it went up, it went down. But if you look at a large enough chart on a blue chip item like that, you'll see that overall 
the you know when you stretch that chart out the the ups and downs don't stand out as much it's just a steady upward climb over time so you know just be mindful of that or know yourself if you're going to day trade day trade you know and gary talked about that as well right if that's what you want to do in this hobby and you want to buy something he even gave an example you want to buy something for 60 dollars now and sell it for 90 dollars. great go right ahead get in and get out um and that's fine too it's just you know know what your plan is and and know what you want to do in the hobby that's that's what i would tell you know new people who just got in jordan Ferroni. Do you think the market would be receptive to automated grading services provided technology was proven and communicated well? So I've seen a lot of you know, press releases about PSA using robotics. And I think people read that the wrong way. I think they're using robots right now just for intake purposes. You know, that's why they added that little scanning label. If anybody's ever submitted to PSA, you now have to put a little uh, scanning barcode on the outside of your package when you submit it yourself. And you know, you get an email, we've received your package. Um, I think they're using robots for that. I think they might be using robots just to, you know, like almost like facial recognition software to identify what the card is for research purposes. I do not think they're using robotic technology at all for handling and grading the cards right now. And I think that if that happens, it's, it's, it's a ways off. Um, do I think it's a good idea if the technology catches up and there's a way to do it safely and not damage the cards? Sure, I think it's a great idea because it takes a lot of the hemming and hawing out of grades. Um, I think it's actually against PSA's interest to do that, though, because I don't know what percentage of it is, but I am sure they get a whole bunch of crack and regrades. You know, I'm sure they get a lot of people. I've done it myself. You know, I get a, a nine and I'm like, this is not a nine. I send it in because I want to get, get it graded again. And it, and it comes back a 10 because whoever it was, you know, had a wedgie that day when he was examining my card and gave it a nine. I have no idea, you know. So but but, you know, if PSA has a robot doing this stuff, they're going to lose some business, believe it or not. Um, robots, you know, robots don't get wedgies. Yeah, well, robots didn't have, you know, sour milk. Nobody pissed in their Cheerios that morning. I, I don't know what the story is, right? But, but uh, you know, personally, that's great. I mean, I hear uh, the use of robotic umpires in baseball. I, I yell at my television, just like I yell at PSA when my grades come back. And I'm like, that's not a nine, just like that's not a strike. You know, this is the way the world's going. And if eventually they get to, you know, the ability to do that, I'll, I'll be fine with it. Um, I, I think it might be detrimental to some of the non-computer graded cards. Some of the Charizard PSA 10s I've seen recently, wink, wink, are sevens. <laughs> so, some of them are eights, you know, I mean, like they, they, on their best day, they should get down on their, their lizard knees, their dragon, you know, legs and beg for a 10 or a nine. Some of the, some of the cards that have been graded in the past are pretty terrible. If they ran those through a robot, trust me. You know, that, so there's unintended consequences of doing that, right? Like I'd pay more for a robotic 10 than I would for a person graded 10 when that happens because, you know, a lot of those person graded 10s are, uh, are nines. But the other negative consequence, come on now. What would you guys complain about? Half we the love, content of sports cards out there is complaining about PSA and their wait times and that this card is clearly a 10 and look at this one, it's off-centered and how did this company do this? You get a robot, what are you going to post? You post pictures of your kids? Nobody wants to see that. I have a good Next. one. Stay with me. Stay with me. All right. All right. Rail Card Quest says, would you rather have a numbered card out of 50 that looks the same as the base card? So for example... Uh, let's use just off the top of my mind a Zion Prism versus a Zion Green Pulsar, or or 
a short print card that is rumored to be around 50 print, but has a unique design. Numbered parallel versus short print insert. Okay. So the added wrinkle to this question is like the different design, right? The, uh, you know, like an action pose is what I'm thinking about. You know, like the heritage cards that have a, a different pose, an action pose, but they don't have a, a, allegedly the print run is lower, they're SSPs, uh, but you don't know. You know, and I think, you know, I think really what, what the comparison for here is, I don't know what like, let's call it like the Jordan Alvarez for, for this year or the Lewis Robert card where he's, he got a short print where he's doing this with his hands. He's got the peace sign up, you know, or he's, you know, or, or, or someone's running instead. And that card is, I don't know, there's a, a 2000 of them. Let's say it's got a similar print run to the gold, you know, that's out of 2020. Personally, I go for the gold that's out of 2020. Um, and the reason for that is because at least I know what the state of print run is. At least I know what the story is and I'll trade the same look of a card for, for that knowledge. One of the cards I bought um, early on in my collection is a flip stock. It's uh, from heritage. It's a flip stock card and um, they're not numbered, right? I have a Juan Soto rookie heritage flip stock, but if you look up what flip stock is, they're allegedly limited to five cards. Now, I w and it's, it's got the same pose, so it's a little bit different of, of an analysis, but I will tell you that if the card had number one out of five on the back of it, it would sell for significantly more than what my card sells for. Um, I happen to have a PSA 10 of it, it's the only one. Um, but what's funny about it is, you know, there are like eight or nine of them graded by PSA, all nines and my 110. How's a card that's allegedly out of five been graded by PSA 10 times? It's a bunch of people regrading their nines is how, but um, trying to get a 10 like me. But, you know, yeah. if it were out of five, people would know there's five of them. There's five of this card. It's done. Here's card number one of five. Here's card number two of five, and it's easy. I'm not a fan, no matter what kind of image you put on the card, of those allegedly out of 50. Uh, Heritage did one with like a, like a black border card as well. I remember talking – you know whose card it was? We were doing a Gary episode. It was Lou, Lou Geno. Um, him and his dad, I think, opened a box of Heritage and they pulled an Otani black border. And, you know, we had to do some research on it and it looked like those black borders were allegedly out of 50. Now, I know that that card sold for less than it would have had they would have just put the number out of 50 on the back of it. So mm -hmm. to me, you know, my, my take always is I, li I like having the card numbered, even if it happens to be the same, same type of parallel. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, another good example is there are parallels out there that are low print run, low pop, that just don't do the same. Um, in basketball, like Purple Waves and Hypers, although Hypers are starting to get a little bit of traction. Um, you know, some of the Ice versions, um, you know, Ruby Wave, like so, so, Purple Wave is a great example. Like, fast what? Break doesn't do really well either. Yeah, Fast Break. I mean, like, look, look, at, the, um, look at the Trey 2018 Prism PSA 10 pop of Purple Wave and compare it to silvers. It's a fraction, and yet the silvers sell for more. So, little yeah, quick crazy. bonus. So, let's say you have a card that's out of 10. Mm -hmm. That card could be in the PSA registry, actually graded 20, 30 times because someone cracks it and resubs it, huh? Yeah, if it's not graded, and even if it's not, even if it's numbered, so the not number ones, definitely. I always thought that about PSA. Like, you know, I, I wonder if I call them up and say, hey guys, you've already graded nine of a card that's allegedly out of five. You know, can you <laughs> shut that down? 
you know, I have the one PSA 10. It's in my best interest for you to stop grading these nines and find somebody who's in such a good mood that you give one of these nines as you've graded four times already a 10, devaluing my card, you know? I don't know if it's a numbered card. If they, you know, you would think that they should start to track that. If it's a card numbered out of fives, right? They know that they got in one, two, three, four, and five already. They should stop grading them. But I don't know if they have, oh, look, look how behind they are now. I mean, I sent in a sub and they told me it wasn't going to get logged in for 10 weeks if I'm lucky. So when PSA gets through their backlog mm -hmm. and floods the market, this is Brandon C. Mills. When PSA gets through their backlog, will PSA 9s be worth anything? It's a great question, right? It, it really is. Um, and the, the honest answer is I don't know. I can tell you what my thought is. My thought is that PSA 10s are actually going to potentially be worth more, especially on cards that don't have a huge pop. Um, because, the, you know, the thought was always, oh, you know, look at those Kobe cards or look at those, you know, 2012 Prism LeBrons or whatever it is. They're going to go down because people are still grading them now and it's a backlog. Well, that might be the case, but you're grading them and you're getting 10% Gem intense, not like it used to be. Um, but yeah, um, you would think that there's going to be more nines than there were before. And, you know, therefore nines would be devalued. But, um, you know, I don't see a situation really ever where a raw card is going to be um, you know, more than a nine, right? So I think the nines will still hold value. And the only, the only thing that I have, you know, to go on is, um, the fatal flaw of the question is yes, while there's less tens now, um, it doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be more nines. I think that the grading is being pushed down. Um, our friend who you read off uh, the first question from rips cards. I happened to tune in last week to a PSA reveal that he got back, you know, like 300 cards. And there were a number of eights in there, which is almost an unheard of thing for, you know, a, a, a PSA sub a year ago or two years ago. You know, you had to send in like really trashy cards to get an eight. He was even making a joke. He's like, don't give me an eight. Give me a seven. Give me a three. At least that's rare, you know? Like, what am I going to do with an eight? Um, but there were more than a couple of eights. So, you know, if, if the premise of the question is that because there's less tens, there's going to be more nines, that may be the case. But I think you might wind up with the same amount of nines or slightly more nines and, and more eights. You know what I mean? I think the real reality is going to be you're going to find Raws sitting somewhere between eights and nines. Our man Ryan Bitter is hey, set Ryan. collecting investment, meaning getting a complete set of, say, Kaboom, rather than focusing on a specific player. Right. I mean, it depends on the size of the set and the saleability of the set is what I would say, right? So, so and it also depends on what you like in the hobby. Um, my good friend, I am Andrew Goldberg my co-host and creator of this show, uh, the, the brains behind this. He likes to tell me all the time that we're doing this to have some fun, right? Don't forget that what we're doing here, it, you know, it's a hobby. It's collecting. It's, you know, you didn't get into this, um, you know, as a kid, which is what a lot of people are being drawn back into it for. You didn't get into it as a kid because you were going to, you know, you were going to become the flip god of the world um and make money you did it at base because it was fun you enjoyed it you know you like the sport you like the players and yeah obviously we're not doing it to lose money if you're a collector sometimes the chase is the fun right and that's what that's what my my, my friend here my co-host you know likes to tell me that you know there's a saying right that, that he, he likes to tell me as he drinks his kombucha and uh you know eats his avocado toast i'm never gonna stop saying this but uh you know, I haven't you like had to say, you know, 
in the long you time. Yeah, never. Yeah, because I, I, I embarrassed you so much about it that you stopped drinking it. So, but he, here's I got, what he likes I got to say: public it's shaming. A, that's it, public shaming. It's, it's. He likes to say, "Life is the journey, not the destination," right? And you know, that leads itself towards set building. Um, and I'm a set builder. Um, and sometimes I regret building sets. So, I mean, it's why it's a really good question, right? You know, I'll give you a great example, like the 1986 Fleer set, um, bas basketball in PSA 10. Um, you know, that set sold for 200 and something thousand dollars the last public auction. I think that if you broke that set up into its pieces, it may actually be worth more. If you sold off the... Jordan for 110 or 115 or 125, depending on how, you know, what, what kind of condition it's in and the Hakeem Olajuwon for 10, the Dominique for nine or 10 and the Barkley for eight and the Patrick Ewing and so on and so forth in the pieces. I have a feeling that it's, it's potentially would sell for more um, sort of like, uh, you know, Gordon Gecko style, right. Or, or uh, you know, any other corporate Raider, that buys a company that sells it off in pieces and it's worth more. Um, you know, to that end, set collecting is, is difficult, right? Because, you know, why would you want to pay basically a premium for some of those smaller pieces that have less demand just to say you complete the set? Now, what I've seen, and, you know, depending upon the set and then what the number is of them out there, I believe sets should have a little bit of a premium because it's difficult to complete that set. And use the Pokemon example for, for a second, right? The, the, the first edition was, of course, 1999 uh, set, right? The, the, there are 120 Charizard PSA 10s. You know how many sets there are registered with PSA? How many PSA 10 sets there are? You want to take a guess? 11. Jeremy Padawa just registered set number 12, the one that he bought this year. So 100%, you know, 100% correct. There are 12. So, so while... While 120 people can claim that they own a Charizard PSA 10, only a dozen, one tenth of that can claim that they, the ultimate bragging rights of Pokemon, that they have a whole first set in PSA 10. Um, to me, that should bring a premium because it's, it's, it's bonus flex time. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Kaboom, I don't know whether or not it holds that same type of, of, of deal there. And, um, you know, it really, the answer just comes down to what kind of collector you are, right? Are you a set builder? You know, is, is the fun for you and the hobby going on eBay and trying to find, you know, card number 17 of the set, even though you might not be a huge fan of that person. I can tell you when I'm building Pokemon sets, I don't like paying for, you know, trainer cards and energy cards and, and all that stuff. There's very little demand for those as singles. Um, just as there's probably a lesser demand for an Alex English PSA 10 1986 Fleer than there would be for, you know, Akeem Olajuwon. So, as you. Our good friend, Sport, Sportopreneur24, Mr. Steve. Good to hear from you. Thank you for all your support. We have seen several celebrities post about and or with cards over the past couple months. Is this the tip of the iceberg or are we at or nearing the high point of interest in So Steve, this was one of the questions we gave to Gary, um, you know, ahead of time. And he did actually touch on this one um, in his, uh, in his interview here. Um, you know, he saw the questions you guys put out there too. He, he knew we were posting about them. So he also gave us shit about uh, Tatis and Tyler Hero. So Gary's, he's smart, man. He, he knows what he's getting into with this question specifically. He, he brought it up and he said, it's a very macro thing. Right. And he specifically pointed out 
the recent Charizard purchase by Logic. I think he said it was 260000 It was really 226, but close enough. We'll, we'll give him a pass on that one. But he also mentioned The Rock, you know, tweeting out about his Bumblebee Tuna, you know, Miami Hurricanes card. So, so you know, uh, answer just mirroring Gary. I think it's just the beginning. I think that this is an easy way for people to flex. You know, Instagram, What when I, when I first got on Instagram at Gary's request, by the way, um, when I first joined Instagram, you know, my, my feed was full of people with their car behind them or their house behind them or, you know, you name it. Slowly it became just baseball cards. But celebrities, this social media, this is a, a big way for them to share with their fans, for them to spread whatever it is they want to spread, whatever they want to take pictures of, right? And, um, you know, it's tougher to get a picture of your bank account. You know, it's tougher to get a picture and, and make that work or make that fly without it looking ridiculous, right? It's tough to get a picture of your, your, your Andy Warhol unless you want to, you know, take it off the wall, right? It's tough, to, it's tough to flex some of those things. But you know what's not difficult to flex? It's not difficult to flex a... a oh, your, home, your home phone? Yeah, my home phone. It's no, you're flexing right now. It's, it's not Kate's it, birthday. He's getting birthday calls. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's not difficult to flex a, a PSA slip. It's the easiest thing in the world. You pull it out, boom, you have it up there, right? It's like somebody, you know, flashing a lot of cash, um, only tastefully, right? I mean, this is, this is, you know, today's, you know, look, here's my diamond ring picture. Here's my car. Look at my whip, you know, MTV Cribs, you know? Do you remember that show? Oh, you're too young for that. MTV I love MTV so, but it's the same type of thing, right? And, and to hear the rock saying, look, look at my card. You know, that's my card. Look at how crazy it is that it's selling for that much. You know, we kind of all do the same thing with our pictures, right? But to see the celebrities doing it, I think it's only, only going to be more of it. I think, it, you know, it goes with the sneaker culture. It goes with the hip-hop culture. And, you know, look, in any grade, if I could tell you guys what to buy, buy Michael Jordan. Buy Michael Jordan any card. Buy Michael Jordan rookie card. You name it because... You know, these sports guys, it doesn't matter, you know, who's the GOAT and who's not the GOAT. They want to be Jordan athletes. They want to wear Jordan. Jordan so, you know, so, so um, you know, permeated through the, the sports culture that, you know, I have a feeling when people get into it, that's going to be who they all want to buy. Well, let me ask you. Okay. Yeah, ask a question. Two, two refractor Jordans mm-hmm. or one uh, – two refractor LeBron Tops Chrome, about 60,000 mm-hmm. cards, or one Jordan Fleer PSA 10. So I don't know the pop on um, on LeBron, but I might go with two LeBrons because I have a feeling that the pop on LeBron is less than the you know. And I'm not talking about the regular card; I'm talking yeah. about the refractor. Um, I love it. I, I don't know the answer, um, but you know, Gary, I would just mm-hmm. go ahead. Next question. We'll keep rocking because I want to get to more of these, um, and I agree with you on the refractor. And I'd be interested yeah. in what other people. I don't listen. I don't love LeBron per se, but really it comes down to a dollars and cents thing. And you know, I mean, I think the value-wise they're about the same, but um, you know, I, I have a feeling that the uh, the LeBron refractor at least is probably got a lower pop, and therefore it'll be much more difficult to you know to replace it over time. Yeah. So the refractor, the pop in ten is one hundred and sixty-nine, and the last I looked, the uh, the Jordan was uh, was three sixteen. Um, so if you're giving me two out of uh, 169, I'll take it because it's already, there's already half as many of them out there. Are you worried about the greening? 
Not on that particular card, no, because I really have only seen one example of greening. And despite the fact that it's a horrible auction, I don't think it's ever going to pay for it. It's now sold twice, once in the 40s and another time in the 50s. So even with the greening, it doesn't have, it's got, you know, like a 10 to 15% discount off a full price anyway. So it wouldn't concern me. Plant Street Collectibles. Love this guy. Appreciate all of your support. And Gary touched on this, but Cage, if you want to take a shot, you can, or we could skip it and keep moving because we've got a ton of these. I mean, I have a pass, one pass like that. Like it's like $20,000 pyramid or whatever it was. $100,000 pyramid. Yeah. It makes sense for you to just hear the question before passing, but, but what one piece of advice would you give someone that is committing themselves to invest in sports cars full time? Full time. So like as a day trader, um, you know, I mean, it's interesting, right? So, so the one piece of advice, and I think Gary did touch on this is to become as educated as you can be as immersed into it as you can. And if it's going to be your job, you have no reason not to. Um, if it's going to be a job and you're going to dedicate yourself fully to trying to earn a living with sports cards, it's definitely something you can do. Um, I would try to have realistic expectations on it. I would not, you know, people who go into day trading, you know, and think I'm going to make a million dollars this month, they're going to lose their money because you take risks they shouldn't be taking. Have realistic expectations for yourself of what you're going to do. Um, and the most important part is educate yourself. You know, I would it's, it's just as if you were buying a stock, right? You're not going to, you're not going to throw a, you know, a dart at, at the wall and say, okay, whatever it lands on, that's the stock I'm going to buy. You're going to educate yourself on it. You're going to, you know, you're going to calculate the risks and the rewards and you're going to find something to invest in because that's what you're doing. You're investing in it. Um, and then a second little ancillary thing, which Gary sort of touched on, because he said if he was 17 and didn't have his bankroll, he'd be day trading. He'd be the number one day trader out there. He did say that. Um, at about the 16 minute mark, if you want to go check it out. Um, but, um, you know, what I like to talk about is take your profit. You know what I mean? Take your profit where you can, right? Set a goal and, and get out. And you know what? Don't look back. And if you happen to miss out on profit, that's fine. You can't, you can't get hung up on that because when you take your profit out, you've made money, you've locked it in. You're no longer subject to the fluctuations of the market on that card. And hopefully you're taking it out because you have an idea of something else that is no longer, um, you know, that's got a value to it, right? That, that is, is underpriced and you anticipate it going up and you'll be money for that. So, you know, whoever that is that's committing themselves to doing that full time, good luck. Um, and more importantly, you know, we're here to help you. So if you have questions on it or, you know, you want to walk through an investment idea or a strategy or something like that, just send us a message. It's part of what we do. Yeah. Create systems also. System scale. So what I mean by that is when you're day trading, you know, you sell a stock and you get the money in your account right away. With sports cards, your money doesn't hit your account that quickly. So you need systems that constantly are kicking you cash. So having a sub with KK or someone where you send him cards every week so that you're constantly getting money back into your account that you could reinvest. Huge. Uh, really, really look to create systems. Cards to the max. Love this guy. College kid, hustler. Really shout out to you, Cards to the max. Raider fan. Raider fan. He's a Raider fan. He's, he's happy after last week. He's not happy that I didn't pick the Raiders, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is. When I tell people that I invest in sports cards, oftentimes those who are not familiar with the hobby think it's insane and just a phase. How do I explain, prove to people that this is a serious market that's here to stay? Don't. They're going to come to you. So, you know what, you know, you're doing, you know, what you're doing is right. Right. So, you know, if you have to go to them and try to explain to them the situation, you're already going to lose 
they've already got that mind made up. We kind of talked about this with, with rips, you know, an 18 year old kid who, you know, who is investing in cars and his friends don't understand it or they don't want to understand except one or two. But, you know, when they see Giannis cards selling for $1.8 million and they remember that he's showing them Giannis cards that are similar to that, they're going to come back to him and say, okay, tell me what you did. Um, and it's the same for you. You know what I mean? Just let that come to you. You know, you're right in your conviction that this is not just a phase. It's not something stupid. It's not silly. It's not a bubble that's going to burst. You know what you're doing is, is a moneymaker. And I will tell you, whoever your friends are who are, are right now, you know, the ones you want to convince, just wait for it. They will see the tweet by The Rock talking about how his card is $10,000. They will see a tweet for somebody who paid a quarter of a million dollars for a Charizard card. Um, you know, they'll see somebody holding up the LeBron card for $1.8 million or the Mike Trout that sold for nearly $5 million. You know, that will start to, you know, make its way into the mainstream media and culture. You know, we saw it on ESPN. Don't prove anything to anyone. It's, it's a fool's errand. Prove it to yourself. I love that cage. Our, our buddy Manny asks, and this is, isn't going to be easy for you, so feel free to skip this, but as a content creator, getting, you know, we oftentimes look at the one negative comment instead of the 20 positive comments. How do you deal with hate and pushback? So, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not a content creator. Um, although, I guess you've made me one here now, Mr. Andrew, uh, with this podcast. But I'm, you know, I'm going to channel one of our earlier guests, uh, Blake Jameson, on this, right? And it was a great episode for me because I've always been a middle-of-the-road guy, right? I've always been somebody who did not want to upset anybody. I did not want to have a hater, I, you know, and lucky for me, everyone in the world loves me and I have no haters other than you when I give you a hard time. But besides that, you know, what, what Blake talked about, think of your content kind of like art, and he's an artist, right? So, you know, I'll speak directly to you, Manny, because I love your content, right? But not everybody's going to. And I'm going to tell you that's a good thing. Don't think of the negative and the haters and the people who are, who are you know, um, giving you a hard time as a bad thing. Think of it as something that's necessary, right? Think of it as something that the word that Blake continued to use was polarizing. Believe it or not, I had to have this discussion with my 11-year-old daughter who, you know, made some videos for us, this, you know, gotcha style of animation that she did that, you know, that she, she animated you and me and, and I think Chris House of Jordans and, you know, whoever else for an episode, we did like a little cartoon and there were comments on it calling it like cringeworthy and it was horrible and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, take it down. People don't like it. And I had to say to her, I said, you know, that's exactly the opposite response. You know, somebody took time to come on there and say that they hated it, right? Which I'm fine with, you know, that means we're getting people to engage with us. We're getting people who are watching it. We're getting people who are there. So, so you take this two ways, Manny. Number one, what Blake said, a successful artist can't be middle of the road. A successful artist has to be polarizing. You have to have people who love it and people who hate it because if you're middle of the road, no one's going to care, right? So for your content, it's not a bad thing that people are hating it. It's a good thing, right? It really is. And, and compound that with a great movie line from the movie Private Parts. It's a Howard Stern thing. And I don't know whether this conversation actually happened behind the scenes in the studio, but Howard Stern came to a radio station, um, right? And, um, you know, the radio um, station manager and Howard Stern's boss, it was, you know, Paul the Giamatti um, was play, playing the role. And they, they got the numbers back and they said the average Stern fan listens for like an hour and a half and they they asked that fan why they listened for so long and they said because they want to hear what he has to say next 
And then the next sentence was the average Stern hater, because he has plenty of haters, listens for two hours, longer than the fans, longer than the fans listen. And the question they asked was, well, why do you listen so long? And they also said, because we want to hear what he's going to say next. So that's an important lesson, right? That's the point. It's an important lesson, right, for, for your, your content creators. Not everyone's going to love your stuff. And I don't even think the goal, Manny, should be that everybody loves your stuff. I think the goal is to get a conversation starting, to be polarizing, as Blake Jamison liked to say. And, you know, it sounds like from your content that you're doing that. And I've seen your stuff. It is polarizing. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. And that's a good thing. And keep doing what you're doing because, you know, I've seen some of your TikTok stuff explode and go viral. So, um, you know, good for you. And if you haven't watched Manny stuff, go, go check it out. Mr. Evan Meyer. Awesome guys. The San Diego guy he works for the Padres, actually. Mr. Evan Meyer. He's the one I bought my Tatis off of. He said, do you have any advice on when and when not to take risks? I've, had a hot take on five to seven different cards and I didn't pull the trigger on them. And you know, I've had a hot take on five to seven different cards in the last six to eight months and I didn't pull the trigger. And looking back, I was right. Looking back by not. So he's looking back and saying he made the right move by not no, jumping in. And it was confusing. Sorry. I butchered it. He, he had five to seven cards that he was like, I know these are going to pop. And he, he was right, but he didn't jump risk. in on him. And they did he didn't take a risk and they went up. So he has FOMO. Or, and I, don't Listen, want to I, I, I can say this. I can give you 100 examples of cards that I thought were going to go up and I didn't go in on. Cards that I thought were going to go up and I went in on and sold them too cheap. And literally the day after I sell it, it goes up. Um, you know, you can't get stuck in that. As a matter of fact, what I would tell you is to really be successful in what we do. And I need to learn this myself. So it's great that I'm giving this advice, right? You have to have no memory at all. A great memory for trends, a great memory for, for pricing, history, for what's going on in that player's you know, past, the seasons, you name it. But a bad memory for those op- opportunities that you've missed out on, the things you didn't capitalize on, the sales that you made too soon, or the buys that you forgot to make. Because I, can get, I guarantee you that if you get on eBay right now, you do a little research, you can find five of those opportunities tonight again one that you might want to jump in on and capitalize on. So don't get bogged down because my father used to say this. He had a great phrase and he said, analysis paralysis is what he liked to say, right? You know, like don't get stuck in it. You know, the next time you find something that you want to jump in on, just jump in on it. And if you do enough of those, chances are if you put the work in and you do enough research and you, you know, you are, you are confident in your investment strategy, more often than not, you're going to win. Yam wax. Yam. Yam. You know, I was sending a message to Yam, and I, I, I was able to find out that uh, there was a Yam emoji, which is just an interesting thing. I don't know why the people at Apple decided that they needed to have an emoji shaped like a Yam, sliced Yam, actually. So sorry, I digress. But uh, Yam wax. You could add that to your uh, nutrition. Yeah. Maybe something Listen. a little bit healthy to go with the side of Dr. Pepper or... You would have to candy it. It would be syrup, marshmallows, you know, candied yam. That I can do. That's, that's the way I eat yam. That or yam parmesan. You got to put some, some mozzarella cheese on it, some tomato sauce. I'll have some yam. I've never had yam parmesan. Why are you just shaking your head yes? You're not listening to me at all. Go. Question from yam. It's a glaring uh, endorsement <laughs> for healthy eating. Here on Olympus Tiger's Home Show. Are you investing? 
getting educated. I see many still buying commodity cards over special ones, you know, RPAs and vintage, for example. Mm -hmm. So are they getting educated? So what I'll say to Yam is this, and Yam knows this probably better than anybody. There's no one way to win here. There is no cookie cutter strategy. Remember, it's collecting. And what I love, you may hate. And what I think is going to go up, you may think is going to go down. And, and that's no different than any other commodity in the world. Remember, every stock trade has two sides to it, right? For, for a commodity like a stock to trade, there has to be somebody willing to buy it. But more importantly, there has to be somebody willing to sell that same stock, saying that it's not going to go up, right? You know, otherwise, that's, you know, the person wouldn't have the ability to buy it at that price. So there's two sides to every coin, right? How many cliches can I throw into this one answer? Um, you know, Yam's favorite Pokemon card is the Tomy scratch cards, right? Which no one's even heard of, right? And I happen to love them. I just can't find them in high grade because people scratch the shit out of the back of them. Um, Yam has kind of cornered the market on that. He's got some sealed boxes. He's got some cool stuff. And it's an amazing, scarce thing. Um, but I don't think the majority of people agree that that's going to be the Pokemon card to go after in the long term. Um, yeah, maybe right. He may be sitting on a gold mine there, and, and ultimately, everybody may be selling their 1999 Wizards of the Coast Pokemon set to go and try to get uh, Tommy scratch cards. I don't think so. Um, but the, the key to that question is education, right? You know, are people coming into the hobby educating themselves? And that is what we try to preach. It's, it's kind of what we do with the podcast. We hope more and more people listen to it to get educated on cards. And look, in the 20 minutes, half hour, 40 minutes that we talk, you're not going to get fully educated on everything. But, you know, what Andrew tries to preach in our time here is forget about the actual card we're giving you and pay more attention to the process that leads us to the conclusion about those plays, yeah. right? Doing the research, utilizing the resources that are out there, going on PSA's website and checking out the pop, looking at eBay, looking at completed sales, looking at the trends on the card, you know, seeing whether or not the, that card and that player have the intangibles outside of what's going on on the field, that will bolster that value on that card and make it something that goes up. It's kind of what Andrew did with, uh, with Tyler Hero. And the easiest thing to do is watch the games, watch the guy play and realize that there is a, a problem with his pricing, that he's, gonna, he's better than what his pricing is showing. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know that I answer that specifically, you know, whether it's RPAs versus other cards. You know, the question is, are new people coming to the hobby getting educated? I think they are. And I think it's easier for them to get educated now because every day it seems there's another podcast or another video or another Instagram or another, you know, person out there uh, who's helping to educate. And that's part of the reason I love this hobby and I've loved it for decades. Also education is, can be subjective. So someone might be going and watching why base prisms are going to be the next thing and they get educated on why they will be the next big thing. And they're reinforced with that piece of information where Someone else goes and learns, hey, RPAs are the next big thing. Here's why there's low pop and they're reinforced that way. Both are education, but they're learning different things. Yeah, well, that's why you got to get your, get your stuff from different sources, right? I mean, it's the same thing as we have an election coming up here in America. Not everybody listening here is from America. We have an election coming up in America. And, you know, depending on what channel you turn on on the television or what website you go to, your news is going to be completely different. You'll get a different story, a different side of the coin. You'll be told something different's going on in America, depending upon where you tweet into. So you know what you could do? Watch both. Yeah. That's one of the dangers of social media, right? Is that they consistently show you what you interact more with. 
which makes it really scary because you're constantly reinforcing the things you already know, but not seeing the other side. Let's wrap up. We're going to do a quick rapid fire here, okay? Charizard LeBron, who's a better long-term investment? Wow. So, so I will say, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I would say LeBron is a better long-term investment today. Um, I think LeBron's kind of taking a step back. I think LeBron has more playing to do. He's playing at a peak performance level. And um, <clears throat> I think he wins another championship, if we're being honest. And there's an outside shot that he wins too. Um, I don't think that he's going to you know, finish his career with six. I don't think he'll ever have you know, what Jordan was in the sport. But he's going to go down as a top two player, if not the top player of all time. There's still room for him to succeed on the court and build up his legacy and build up that card, and then to succeed off the court and do a whole bunch more. Charizard's not playing any more games. Charizard's not doing any of that stuff. Um, so I think if you're buying in, let's just say you gave me $250,000 now, would I buy one Charizard or would I buy um, two uh, LeBron <clears throat> refractor PSA 10s and 10 of his refractor, uh, 10 of his PSA 10 bases. Yes, that's, I would go with the LeBrons because I think that long, long, long term, you said long term, that you, those are going to appreciate more than the, uh, than the Charizard will. Now, it's again a situation of the charts. It's um, if you tell me in five years that the Charizard has gone up more than the LeBrons, I would not be surprised. So it really depends on your time frame, right? I think in the short term, that Charizard might be a better investment, but the longer term, when our kids who are buying Pokemon now get a little older and they're no longer into this stuff or, you know, Pokemon has run a cycle and LeBron is the Will Chamberlain, you know, the vintage investment, I, you know, LeBron is, I think, you know, going to have a longer cycle, if that makes sense. Certainly possible. Uh, heroes for sale or die. Um, Heroes, congrats. He just got married. He just went on a honeymoon. So from all of us here at Luca Nation, huge, huge congratulations. Heroes asked, ultimately, what is the ceiling for sports cards? Does it get as large as fantasy sports or sports betting? So the, the answer is there is no ceiling for it, right? Um, and, you know, it's going to be dictated by how we handle the success, right? So, so um, you know, PSA is part of the mix. All the ancillary businesses are part of the mix. Panini is going to determine it. Tops is going to determine it. What kind of production they put out there, whether or not they're willing to, you know, scale back on some of the things they do as far as money-making is going to really make a big difference. Um, you know, how saturated the market gets. But if you remember, I mean, <laughs> DraftKings, FanDuel, when they started off, they were just throwing money away. They were literally throwing money at people. It was a million dollar giveaway here, a million dollar giveaway there, a million dollars. You know, he, he, I don't know if you, do you remember like the original commercials for FanDuel and DraftKings. It was like, it was two teams at the end of the final watching a game, and one of them was going to get a huge check, like a Price is Right style Happy Gilmore check for a million dollars, and the other one was going to lose based on you know, you know which quarterback threw a touchdown in the Monday night game, um, and somebody walked away with this big million dollar check. You know what that sounds you know and looks eerily similar to the pictures of the guy holding up his his Giannis RPA the million dollar card or the LeBron million dollar card so you know heroes is smart he you know he draws a, a, a parallel between the early stages of that daily fantasy sports and sports cards and 
back when daily fantasy sports started and gambling, it was, it was sort of taboo. You know, it was sort of like, you know, you didn't want to go in and say to your friends or your coworkers, Oh man, I hit a, uh, I hit a six game parlay last night or, or, Oh man, fantasy, you know, it came down to the last minute, but uh, you know, I won 500 bucks in a huge pool of, 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 of fantasy sports. Now people talk about that around the water cooler all the time. It's, you know, it, so, so the guy who asked us, you know, Hey, my friends, like cards to the max, yes, as my friends, I got to convince them. Just like fantasy sports, I think we're just getting started on the sports cards as far as like a mainstream thing. Um, I got people messaging me, texting me who have nothing to do with cards, asking me about Mbappe. Does Mbappe have cards? Hey, I just read this article on ESPN about uh, LeBron cards. Do you have any of those? And I have to write back, yes, I have five of the $1.8 million card that LeBron just sold that I'm still living in my <laughs> shitty house. You know, like, of course I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got three dozen of them. But it's, in, it's, it, it's getting into the mainstream. It's getting into the consciousness. And, and you know, all of this overlaps, right? You know, talking about The Rock, right? The Rock has how many million followers? And if he's, you know, messaging his followers about sports cards, that's getting into the mainstream. So the ceiling, I really don't think there is one. Henderson Sports Cards. Can I get a shout out? Shout out to Henderson Sports Cards. There you go. You know, we, uh, we would have liked to have Gary give you that shout out as well. But, uh, you know, my apologies. <laughs> ah, last question. Let me just do I'm doing one last. Last quick, last question. Yep. Twizzlers or Vines? <laughs> Listen, just like Adam Lefko said, the, well, this B. Was, cards, this, by the way. I love B. Daly. It's a great question. It's a great question. Um, we have some of the best. We have some of the best people in Luca Nation. We have some of the best, you know, community. Some of these pages you got to follow. You know, Preston Amato, right? I mean, you know, B. Daly, Manny, with your great stuff, Yam Wax, right? I'm gonna forget somebody, and you can add some names in too. I mean, some of the guys who have been with us since the first week where we had, you know, a significantly smaller listening, listening audience than we have now. Um, you know, we love you guys and we thank you guys. So red, Twizzlers or Red Vines? I only buy Twizzlers. So if you ask me what it's called, it's called a Twizzler. It's generic. It's like, but, but, but I understand the argument they were having on stage there. I understand left goes position. The thing said Red Vines on the back. It's just like the picture I showed. If you, if you check out our, uh, our reels, um, but it's, it's almost brand name recognition, right? I go into a, 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 a diner or I go into a restaurant and they ask me what I want. I say, give me a Coke or a Diet Coke, even if it's Diet Pepsi. It's a Diet Coke, right? So, you know, I mean, it's that, 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 that's kind of where we are, right? But it's Twizzlers, not Red Vine. Sorry, Lefko. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Hope this so, was valuable. This was fun for Cage. This was fun for oh, me. Oh, dude, I, I love this. I love and, it. I love it. Rapid fire. How about uh, how about Ian Anderson last night, guys? Ian Anderson, give him a few walks, but uh, you know that Braves pitching staff—they're looking pretty good, dude. You know, I wish I, I had some questions prepared for you. I would I would uh, you know I'd ask. I, you know, rapid fire. I love me throw it off the top of my head. Number one was Walker Bueller's pants too tight. Don't remember. Don't notice oh, that. Come comment. on, you know you were looking the entire game. What fun! Oh, I you know I answer all your questions, whether I know the answer or not. I you know I do what you I can. Make it up on the fly. I ask you funny stuff and you you throw it out there. Um, I got honest, I got one. Honest, to be honest, the way I watch sports and I'm not I'm working on this is I turn it on in the background and I'm on my phone. And I right. don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I, I'm trying to focus on just watching the game from now on. Well, how about this? The, uh, 
I'm going to put you on the spot, right? So the Dodgers were the only team this year that did not lose three straight games. They're down 0-2 to the Braves going into game three tonight. Do they have their first three-game losing streak in the first three games of the NLCS? Is that what's going to happen tonight, or are they going to pull out a victory? I think they're going to pull out a victory. I forgot. By the way, no Kershaw. Kershaw tomorrow. Urias is the pitcher. They're still favored, but. Yeah. Well, um, Kershaw is unbelievable, but I don't think they get. um, First off, first thing, it's a seven-game series, which I didn't realize. So (laughs) it's first to four wins. But I think the Dodgers have enough experience, enough, uh, what do they call it, notches on the belt to not overreact to these two losses. A younger team would, might, might be panicked right now, and, you know, they start swinging for, at balls out of the strike zone. I think the Dodgers just had two bad games. The Braves kind of punched them in the face, but I, I expect them to come back and get a W tonight. All right, on the other side of the coin, Tampa Bay, game four, they're up 3 nothing. Glass now going for them. One of their best, if not their best pitcher. Against Granky. I think the Astros. They, I think they blow him out. You think it's a sweep? Think, you think they get four nothing? Uh, Rays are looking really good, man. They they look really good on all sides of the ball. Jose Altuve, three errors in two games. Yeah, four in the postseason, the most since two thousand. He had none all year, by the way. None for the year, and has has has. It's crazy. Also, Dusty Baker is notoriously a pretty horrible manager. Yeah, I'm shocked they got as far as they did. But I will be rooting for the Astros to lose and lose badly for a bunch of reasons. And, and today's additional reason, if you haven't seen it yet, um, I know he has, um, you know, anxiety issues. But if you have anxiety issues that make you want to pitch somewhere other than like New York, let's say, Zach Greinke, um, because you don't want to deal with the fans and that kind of stuff, you would think that those anxiety issues also will make you a little more introverted and maybe not post every thought that comes into your brain on Twitter. But if you haven't seen his posts, he posted something like he basically loves the no fans in the stadium because fans are annoying because they ask him for things like autographs and pictures. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I get he's got, you know, he has, he has a condition. He's got issues. But, you know, why stoke the flames? You know what I mean? If that's the case, if you don't want people asking you for autographs, you, don't want, you want people to leave you alone, why put it there in black and white? I like having no fans because fans do things like ask me for autographs and pictures. <laughs> it's, I mean, I get it. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say anything because look, I've, no, I've walked one step in his shoes, let alone a mile. And I'm sure he's got, you know, difficulties and issues. But if I had those issues and I didn't want to pitch in front of people and I didn't want to deal with people, then I probably would also not be on Twitter, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's, uh, it's just another little tiny one reason to root against the Astros for me tonight, at least. Not that I needed any additional reason. Yeah. Even what, one thing is I've heard is life isn't what happens to you. It's what the meaning you take out of it. So I, that, that's just the, the meaning he took out of that situation. He's like, wow, there's no fans. This is so great. But, you know, some, some same person could take out a way different meaning. And I always think about finding empowering meanings, meanings that make you feel good. So. So I come from a different era, right? I think it was Mickey Mantle, Joe DiMaggio, actually, who said, um, you know, sometimes those guys are interchangeable, right? Who said he's going to give his all. Um, Every time he sets out on the field, he doesn't want to take a day off. He doesn't want to, you know, you know, bag it. He wants to, you know, run full speed. He wants to make the plays he can because he knows that there's somebody in the stand that day who that might be their first or only major league baseball game that they're, they saved up to see, they, you know, they saved money to see, their parents saved money to put them in the stands and come see a game and watch him play. 
And, you know, you don't really have much of that now, I don't think. Um, now you, you have the exact that opposite. Goes right along, that goes right along the lines of what we think about the meaning that this athlete took, right? He didn't think, wow, I'm making all this money or look, I'm so famous or I'm killing it. Hey, it's my responsibility to perform for these people that, you know, they might've spent their last dollar or whatever to get here to, to have this experience. That's a really powerful meaning, right? Because now you almost, you're in service of that person. I, I think it's a really empowering meaning to his life. I, I really support it. Amazing stuff. So, I mean, here's the, the that's the wrap up. that stuff. It's like, so you're like, <laughs> no, well, dude, listen, we're, we're, we're very different people. Um, you know, I, uh, I don't, I don't read it like that. I read it like, you know, the, some of the comments on there and look, he has an illness and, and obviously I'm never going to ride him for not wanting to have interaction with fans. That's not where I'm going. You know, I, it's perfectly fine. That's, you know, the reason why I think the Yankees never really pursued him. Um, why he does better at a team like Kansas City than he would in a big market team, although Houston's not exactly a small market, you know. Um, he's got his – he has his condition, and so I would never, you know, say, hey, he's got to be out there. He has a duty to the fans, blah, blah, blah. But it's completely different to come out and actually say, this is so great because I don't have to deal with the fans, you know. Like that, you know, it's, it's an unnecessary step. It's almost like asking for me to now say, why did you say that, you know. Whereas if he was just silent on it, he'd – you know, nobody would be talking about it. Anyway, it's one of those things where I just, you know, I saw it, I read it, and I was like, wow, all right, you know, and the, the comments are real 50-50 on it. How about, uh, how about like, how about plays for our guys, or we, we got enough with an episode here, and we got our Gary episode, we're going to be dropping both of these today? Yeah, we'll, we'll, do, we'll, do, a, we'll do a presentation uh, pick for him tomorrow, for them tomorrow. All right, guys. Listen, uh, we love we love chatting with you. We hope you really get some value out of the uh, out of the Gary episode that we're posting today, because I know I did. Um, you know, it reinforces what we're doing here. You know, bringing you the podcast, and it also reinforces what we're doing. You know, with the sports cards. Um, and if nothing else, what I took from the episode, you know, you can chime in on what you take from it. It's that, you know, in Gary's eye, and he seems to have an eye for this stuff. You know, we're only beginning in, in, you know, in, in this, the, the run of this hobby. And there's a lot of reasons why this is going to continue to be successful for, uh, for a long time. And that, that made me happy because, you know, I invest a lot of time, money, um, brain space <laughs> in this hobby. Um, so it's good to hear that somebody else who does the same thinks there's some legs to it. You're the king. Happy birthday, Cage. We love yeah, you. Man. Um, yeah, man, I'm, 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 I'm 78 years old today. Let's go. And just another <laughs> 78 years left. <laughs> Thanks for everybody. I got a lot of birthday wishes. So thank you, guys. I do appreciate that, truly. Take care, everybody. Thank you for spending some time with us on another episode of the Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My podcast. Um, do us a favor and like, subscribe. Ah, you know what? Don't just like and subscribe. Everybody does that. If you like us, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. And uh, we hope you got something from spending some time with us today, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.